Welcome, everybody, to this episode of The Savage Land. We've been waiting a while to release this episode. Um, we interviewed Zach Kaplan back toward the beginning of November, might have been end of October. Um, he's been on the show before. Uh, he is the writer of Eclipse and Port of Earth, both from uh, Image Top Cow, one of our favorite guests to have on the show. We were glad to have him back. Um, we recorded this episode, and uh, there were some things that we talked about in a lot of detail there um that ended up uh needing some clearance that you know either hadn't been announced yet or you know whatever it was and so uh we kind of waited a while to just see if we were able to get things cleared to put it out um and as it turned out we ended up just having to uh edit out a bunch of stuff from this episode so it's a little shorter than our normal interviews um but still very great we talk about port of earth we talk about uh eclipse you know sort of they're going into volume three now um and a lot of things. So it's a, a wonderful interview. Uh, he also even talks about uh, The Last Jedi, because when we recorded this, Last Jedi was still, you know, over a month out. Um, so there's a lot of fun, anticipatory talk about uh, Star Wars and all that. So it's it's a fun interview. Um, we just had to do a bit of uh, editing to get it, uh, get it to where nobody was going to get in trouble. Um, and hopefully at some point, you know, once, once all those things are announced or whatever it is, hopefully we can, uh, bring back those other, uh, sections that we talked about and, and have them out there for you. Um, but I wanted to remind everybody that this, uh, episode is sponsored by Comic Bento. Uh, a new year brings new ideas, new jobs, resolutions, and most importantly, new beginnings. New Look Comic Bento is happy to start off the year with tales of starting over, new worlds, old guards, and more as we dive headfirst into new beginnings, both of this earth and not so much. Hurry and sign up, though. Your new bento beginning is waiting, but it's only here until January 31st. Uh, you can go to comicbento.com and use the promo code SAVAGE. That'll get you uh, $5 off your first box. So if you do the one-month plan, that's just $20. You get uh, four to five trade paperback comics. Um, look nice on your bookshelf. You can see them, read the spine, what you're looking at. Um, and seriously, Comic Bento... They do a really, really good job of uh, of choosing which comics that they they include in there. Um, you know, I've gotten stuff from from like Mark Wade, his uh, Avengers Four, which is a really, really cool Avengers story uh, with Barry Kitson art. That's kind of a a fun throwback um, to some really classic Avengers stuff. Um, I recently read Chris Roberson's um, Sovereign, which came in my comic bento. And I, I absolutely love that story. And, and, and I, I like Chris Roberson a lot. And I just didn't even know that, so, that Sovereign was out. Um, and so getting that in my, in my box was a, a, an awesome surprise and such a good story. Highly recommend it. Um, but yeah, I, and, and, and a story, you know, a thing like Beginnings, obviously, that seems like it'll promise a lot of uh, really sort of entry-level stories for anybody, you know. So if it's something you've never heard of before, probably going to be a good box to get. Um, so again, you can use the promo code SAVAGE at comicbento.com, and that will give you your first box for 20 bucks. Um, if you wanted to do a longer subscription, they have those with uh, even uh, steeper discounts for box or per box. Um, but again, that's comicbento.com. Use the promo code SAVAGE. That'll get you $5 off. Um, anyway, that's, uh, that's it for this uh, sponsorship message. I'm in Utah right now, and so hopefully Matt, Rachel, and I will be able to uh, record an episode in person this week. Um, and we'll be talking about uh, Descender number 22 for our issue of the week, so make sure you read that and catch up. Um, and other stuff, probably. I mean, I, I don't know what we're going to talk about. We, it, it would surprise you, I'm sure, not at all, to find out that we don't really plan our episodes very far in advance. Um, but anyway, 
hope you enjoy this uh, this interview with Zach Kaplan because I know we sure did, and uh, I think it'll be a, a great one for all of you to listen to. So here it is. Welcome back to the Savage Land. We have another creator interview today. Uh, he's returning to the Savage Land, doing a doing a victory lap, if you will. Uh, he was our first <laughs> guest on the on the show, and uh, now he's coming back to talk about uh, Eclipse Volume Two uh, and where that series is headed, and his new series, Port of Earth. Uh, welcome to the show, Zach Kaplan. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Oh, thank you. And uh, so, Zach, I mean, the last time we talked to you, uh, Eclipse Volume 1 had just hit shelves, um, and we were all, I know, enjoying it, obviously. It seemed like it was a pretty big success going from a, a mini-series to an ongoing series. Um, how's, how's it been like uh, going through Volume 2 for you? It was awesome. Uh, it, we got a chance to expand the world. Um, volume 2 got a chance to look at uh, one of the other characters a lot more, uh, Cielo, who's... Uh, kind of the the heroine in distress in in volume one and she kind of uh transforms into uh a, a, a detective and a and a protagonist uh, far more in volume two so that was really a, a lot of fun to do and uh yeah it was great to expand the world and um and uh we got a great response for that and and we're lining up volume three so it's been awesome it's uh, it's been fun to watch too. I mean, the other, I think one of the other kind of exciting things uh, going on in the past few months was seeing that uh, you know Geo on the back of Eclipse Volume Two and kind of all the success that you guys had with Eclipse. Now he's doing that Batman and the Shadow crossover, and then it looks like you guys are still coming back together to do Volume Three, uh, the same creative team, right? That's right. Yeah, uh, we are initially we're going to take a shorter hiatus for uh, between Volume Two and Volume Three of Eclipse. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was looking at like two or three months. And then um, Giovanni uh, hit me up and said, you know, uh, he had been a longtime shadow guy. He, he cut his teeth on that years ago. He did the shadow Lone Ranger. And then he hit me up and said that, you know, they want me to do shadow Batman. And it's Batman. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing Batman. And I said, yeah, of course you are. Uh, no, no worries. Go do Batman. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that was awesome that he, he's doing that. And uh it looks sweet, and it, I think it's getting some some killer reviews. And uh, yeah. but yeah, then then he's coming back to me, and uh, we're already uh, getting started on volume three. So we should uh, we're hoping to have that out to people uh, top of next year sometime, um, spring at the latest. Yeah. And so what uh, for people? So I guess we should probably talk about volume two before we uh, before we get too far ahead of ourselves to talk yeah. about volume three. Um, what was your your sort of mindset going into the second arc of Eclipse? What did you want to accomplish with with Volume Two? Um, I wanted to. There was a lot of uh, reaction after Volume One of what's going on beyond this particular location, and I and I had always wanted to kind of share a little bit more. So I did want to expand the world, um, but I didn't really want to expand it too much. So mm. Volume Two does take us beyond the city limits of New York city. And we do get to see a little bit of the area, uh, just outside, but it, it also was important to me not to, not to go too far into a whole new world to stay contained. And, and if anything, one of the things I really like doing in eclipse is, um, expanding almost our understanding of time because there's a tremendous amount of backstory related to the city and how it's gotten to be the way it, how it went from, 
New York as we know it. And then there was this solar cataclysm where, where, uh, you know, most of the population was wiped out and the city surviving. And then we come to know it, um, at the beginning of the story where these, uh, companies seem to be running the city and it's a very different landscape. And, um, so there's a backstory there. And so, you know, going into volume two, I get a chance to expand that more, which is really awesome. And then I get a chance to continue to expand the mystery of, um, these men who are going around who cannot burn. I guess if you, uh, uh, spoiler alert, but if you're listening to this, <laughs> you should be expecting that we're going to talk about it. So it's always so weird. Uh, I don't know what other creators do, but I always am like, am I supposed to do, uh, interviews and not talk about it? You're supposed to be like, spoiler, I can't talk. I can't talk about it. So, uh, so what, let's talk about it. So yeah, there's, there's men that don't burn and there's a, a mystery around it. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I got a chance to delve into that more in, in volume two. So there was a lot to do and I wanted to, to stay with Bax enough, uh, that, uh, you know, he got tested. Mm-hmm. Um, we, he, um, at the end of volume one, he's at this very kind of hopeful place where he's kind of gone from this reclusive guy who doesn't really believe that he can have an impact on on the world and on society. And then he kind of comes to a place where he's like, he believes he can have an impact and he's going to kind of reconnect with society again. Mm-hmm. But he's not really uh, uh, recognizing that there's some major problems with the way the city is being run. And you can't just kind of uh, join the police and join celerity and kind of uh, participate without acknowledging the problems. And so that's really what volume two was for him is kind of, kind of helping him to, to make his moral code even stronger. Mm. Um, so that was a lot of fun to kind of, uh, to, to challenge him in that way. And then I challenge, uh, Cielo a lot too. Um, and I kind of, you know, it was interesting cause that the, they're kind of a team in some ways in, in volume one yeah. and I separated them and, uh, I kind of felt like they had to be separated as I was mapping, I mean, it was a good device to, mm-hmm. to um to to get to explore different parts of, to keep in, in the city and explore the outside. But as I started to to chart it all out, it was kind of it made a lot of sense to do it that way because then they don't have each other as a crutch, and especially she doesn't have him as a crutch. It made her far more independent a a character. You know, she yeah. she starts off volume two, and she had to go looking for him, mm-hmm. and he's not there, and that that kind of sets sets all of volume two up for her that she's she's going to get to to have her own course and and be far more active and far more influential so it's a pretty awesome and then you know they both end up at this really uh very motivated place at the end of volume two they both have have very um very clear goals very clear uh changes and uh it was really fun to get them to that point so yeah um it kind of it kind of yeah. felt like volume two was sort of uh, I guess stripping down these characters like taking out sort of their their kind of support network the things that they had always relied on and and uh, you know I, I think it's sort of one of those common things said about writing but like when you know when a character is totally stripped of all of their their comfort or their uh, kind of surroundings um, that's I guess when it sort of tests their true uh, nature their sort of true motivation as a character. And I think that yeah, absolutely. It was it was just interesting seeing like Bax and uh, Cielo both sort of go through that same type of um, metamorphosis at the same time. And I think you you use that to your advantage. Like there's all these 
uh, these moments throughout the entire second volume where right as the tension is getting twisted for Bax or for Cielo, you switch to the other person's perspective and kind of like, you know, let, kind of let them go through the same sort of tension building arc at the same time. Yeah, there's a lot of symmetry, there's a lot of symmetry to both of their storylines, and it was very helpful to be able to go back and forth to alleviate tension in, in the story and 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 to affect the pacing. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Eclipse as a world is not a safe place. You know, um, the sunlight will constantly burn you. And I never really, from from the onset of the story when I came up with it, it was never procedural to me. You know, I, I explored that possibility and I was like, I, I don't want this to be procedure. I want this to be serial. I want this to be a story of these characters in this world struggling to survive, struggling to uh, uh, solve this mystery and face these challenges. And because of that serialization and the fact that the world is not a safe place, it, it required to come up with emotional dilemmas that really challenged them and made them uncomfortable. Um, and I really like coming up with dilemmas, you know, like Bax finds himself on the one hand with Celerity and Nick's brother Wallace and, and they're on this mission to try to, to get this guy who doesn't burn and, and, and this might offer answers and might offer uh, solutions to the society. And there's a um, kind of a, a, a madman out there who is um, who is the uh, antagonist, but then Celerity is in a way an antagonist and Bax comes to realize that he doesn't really respect uh wallace and and his point of view and he's kind of there's no winning situation here and i like putting characters in in um situations where there's really no good choice there's it's just a uh it's one bad choice after another it makes them uncomfortable and it's kind of uh entertaining so uh yeah. So, uh, yeah, volume two was a lot of fun. Um, and it, and it, it so ends on this really awesome kind of cliffhanger of, uh, that, that everybody's been staged into, uh, basically the, the, the pieces are all set. Um, Bax is returning to New York and, um, it, it's really ripe for, for confrontation. Totally. Um, I, I'm just going to jump in here real quick. Um, uh, my favorite part of the whole volume is actually kind of in the background where you see all the people tied to the tankers out yeah. in the sun. Yeah. And and I read the back where you kind of mentioned that you wanted to show that it's not necessarily safe out there and it's not really safe in the city. But then that led me to believe, you know, wonder if you do plan to explore other underground cities or is this just going to stay in New York? Yeah. I mean, basically volume three and, and the possibility of volume four is New York. And it's looking at this, um, ongoing conflict between Nick and Bax and, uh, the underground and Cielo and all these players. And, and my interest is playing that out. If we get to 16, and I resolve everything. I'm kind of 16 is kind of my hope hope to like to 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 kind of have a big finish for all these um, major storylines here. Mm. And if there's still a demand and an excitement for more, then absolutely, there's definitely the opportunity to take some of these characters and and uh, put them into uh, other to see see a different part of the world. It's always been my um, I think my dilemma with the story has always been how fast or how slow to go. You know, do I go fast? Do I go slow? Do I do I take my time or do I keep a a, a fast, fun pace? Totally. Um, 
But you, you mentioned, yeah, the world, the world is not safe, especially the, the wasteland out there. And uh, yeah. I love that. Uh, I love that um, double page spread. It's I actually go to a lot of conventions. And uh, I told Giovanni, hey, send me some of your original art. Uh, and I'll, I'll try to sell it for you. And I've sold a few pieces, but that one is in the book. And it's so gorgeous as an ink. And, and a lot of times when I get people who come to the table who have an appreciation for Giovanni's art, I just flip to, to the uh, inks of the, that double page spread. It's a uh, I think it's like pages 10 and 11 or something, nine or 10 in issue five. And it's just, a, it's just a gorgeous spread. And he does a fantastic job of capturing this story in the background. If you look closely, there's a tower at that gas station and in the tower, there's like a chair and a lamp and a rifle leaning as if somebody yeah. was sitting in that tower, picking people up. And this has nothing to do with the story. It's mm-hmm. just atmospheric. And that's why I love Giovanni as an artist, because, I mean, another artist could have captured the 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 world just with, you know, cars and bodies. But he tells this story there and it's so, so cool. Um, So, yeah, the details are are so fun. You know how this all started, too, by the way. I mean, that Mm. I mean, when he uh, I, I initially wrote page one. Times Square, hundreds of people, and I, <laughs> I filled it with all these details. Uh, the billboards, there's no cars, there's a horse, there's a, here's some of the shops we mm. might see. Just I filled it with so much detail. The page every Not artist really, dreads getting. Yeah, right? And I, was, <laughs> I didn't really intend for – I just did it as a way for him to – for the artist to read it and kind of understand the world. Uh, but Giovanni took it as a checklist, and he just <laughs> – did it all and um that first page is so chocked full of detail and when he turned that in i was like oh my god have i found like the artist uh like what a find and then i was worried that he hated me for it and it turns out that he loved it (laughs) and he's like i want to be like jeff darrow and mobius and he he loved this detail so by the time i get to issue five i'm like punishing him for his uh for his ambitions and i'm like oh yeah all right double page spread the wasteland thousands of cars and he loves every second of it so i i think people who enjoy the series uh strap in because we have no plans of stopping uh giant spreads of lots of detail in fact i think giovanni's probably excited to to uh to do more of that because um I don't think Batman versus the shadow has him uh, doing that level of detail. So uh, maybe, I don't know. I haven't seen all of it, but um, yeah, he's a glutton for punishment with the detail, but he's so good at that world building. It's awesome. Hell yeah. So you, uh, you switched colorists between the two volumes. How, how was that experience and how did you sort of, how do you maintain that continuity? uh, Just that visual continuity because I mean, colors so so important, especially the you know the, the tone and the palette and everything. Yeah, I don't know. Could you guys tell a difference? A, a little bit, uh, not in a bad way though. I could yeah. I could tell the difference, uh, but yeah, kind of like Matt said, like there's there's definitely a bit of a difference in the the coloring between uh, Chris and between um, the Flavio. Shooter. Yeah, Flavio. Flavio. Um, yeah, you know we 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 um it didn't work out that Chris was able to stay in the book, and we had to make a change and. Um, the book is demanding. Mm-hmm. You know, the book, it's a demanding book. And, um, 
there's lots of detail and there's just no way around it. And so uh, Giovanni found Flavio at comic book art school in Italy. Uh, Flavio's never worked uh, an American book before. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, we uh, we auditioned a couple of guys out of that school. And Flavio actually had, he was really he, fantastic technique uh, and really into the detail. And he had a very unique style. Um, mm. He really liked some colors that aren't in Eclipse. You know, he liked some greens and purples. I remember seeing him always bring some some colors in. Mm-hmm. And there was a real, um, we really all worked together. It was a very collaborative uh, of trying to figure out how to, how to, allow him to do his own thing, but at the same time, stay within the world of Eclipse. Uh, and there were a lot of, in issue five, when we were first setting out, there were lots of conversations about the nuance of color and how to, how Flavio could capture the style of the book and it could still be Eclipse, but it could, but it could be him. And uh, I think we, I mean, by the end of it, I was super happy with the balance because you can, like, you can tell it's, it's different. It's him, but it's still the world of Eclipse, and I I never felt like uh, it wasn't. But it was, totally. you know, the world of Eclipse. The the exteriors are especially the the sun. It's it's desaturated. It's the the colors baked out. The sun is this very uh, impressive force. The underground tunnels are all um, moody and dark. I I referenced like Fincher films. It's it, you know. Um, uh, a lot of times color, colored pages were coming in and my, uh, my note was like fantastic, just desaturate it more because, uh, I just wanted, uh, and, and, you know, by the, by the issue six or seven or eight, you know, Flavio knows what, uh, you know, we're, we're speaking the same language and I, you know, it, it, it gets less and less. I always yeah. try to take a far more, um, uh, you know, collaborative involved, uh, part you know i have a vision i want to hear the other artist's vision uh, i don't like to hand it off i know there's some writers and creators who like hand it off and just let the other guy do their 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 thing mm-hmm. I, I like to say what i want to say and then respect what they want to say and giovanni knows this all too well because <laughs> uh, there were so many times that i would say what about this and he'd say no i don't like that and i'd be like all right cool uh, uh so you have to like you know, you, I, I would never be like, do this. It's never do this. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you think about this? And then it's respecting, yeah, or, well, if you wanted to do that, we could do it this way. I, I It just, there's so many parts of Eclipse that came out from dialogues like that. And I, I can't imagine not capturing those moments. So, um, yeah. So, I- but yeah, the coloring, the coloring was, it, it was a challenge to... It, it it required a lot of collaboration to get it to get it there. I do well, I like. Guys, uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I I think you guys nailed it. I mean, it looks. I I you know I think I would almost say that that Flavio brought something extra to the book. I think it looks absolutely fantastic. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. He does have like great. this. He does have like this kind of like liquid uh, appearing sort of painting style where like it, it kind of brings out some of that brightness and that sun effect because he, he kind of uses it's like a it's a painterly thing, but not in the way where it's like tons of brush strokes. It's just I don't know. It's this weird thing that I can't quite put my finger on. Yeah, he's very he's very good. Um, you know, we talked a lot too. like uh, he wanted to use color to accentuate the book. There's one double page spread. I don't know if you guys read the volumes or the issues. Uh, it's in issue six. 
uh, and it's the dark market. And um, it's got this, it's like a CD double page um, splash page uh, of the market. Mm. And I think we, we determined that the color came from all the lighting and uh, you know, so the, 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 the ground is muddy, the stalls are muddy, the clothing is muted, but you get this colorful feel from the lighting. And he got so good at that technique. I mean, um, then you go to the last page where Cielo's looking over the city and it's the same thing. He's using lighting. Uh, and so he got really fantastic at using, uh, finding color and fluidity in different ways. Uh, so yeah, he was, he was a real pleasure to work with uh, for sure. It's awesome. And so, so now talking about, you know, we've, we've kind of covered a bit of what your approaches were for, for volume two, uh, you guys, like you said, are, are heading into volume three right now. What is your kind of um, goal for this specific volume in terms of uh, what you want to accomplish or what you want to show to the people? Um, well, it's all it, we're back to the city. And I mm. kind of uh, one of my goals is to capture the noir aspect of the city uh, mm. again. Um, you know, I just want to continue to capture i want to find um the expansion of the story within the city uh i so i think if people feel like okay i got it that's the city and that was the outside and i've got it i i want to uh upend that i want to say no this is this is new york city and this is a whole new world and new york is is still alive and still teeming and the underground uh tunnels are still uh never ending and you can't you just when you think you understand this city you don't understand this city i want it to feel i want the city to feel overwhelming like a a gotham or a a what have you Mm -hmm. uh so one of my goals in terms of that is to capture that uh the other another goal i think this is i'm not gonna um (laughs) i'm gonna blow this but uh you'll notice Mm -hmm. there's a storytelling technique in eclipse in terms of the flashbacks you know volume one showed flashbacks of Bax's life and it contextualizes the choice that they have to make at the end of uh, the volume. Volume two showed flashbacks of Cielo's life mm-hmm. and you, you understand a whole much, uh, a lot more about her and, and, and her confrontations with her father at the end of volume two. Uh, I intend to continue that, um, that style with new characters uh, or not with characters that are, that I have yet to do that with. Uh, so I'm very excited to, to do that, to add, just like volume two, I think added a dimension to Cielo where you kind of got to know her in a way that you didn't know her in volume one. Uh, I'm excited to do that in volume three and in volume four, uh, with other new characters to continue to make the story more complex and more three dimensional. Um, I really like my goal is to, by the end of it, to just make people feel like it's a really, uh, sucky situation where everybody's just trying to survive and it's just it's all these there aren't any bad characters it's just it's just people have different um ways of handling the world and those 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 uh reactions collide Mm. and create create drama and create conflict um so i'm excited to explore the other characters of the world Hell and yeah. uh, I have a new antagonist that is, that that is a uh, is cooking up, and that and that'll be fun as well. So um, 
Eclipse is going to be uh, three, and I, I'm kind of looking looking beyond three to four too, so that it all it all kind of connects. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we've talked. Um, I guess the official word out is the volume that we're coming back with a volume three, but we've talked uh, about about keeping it going right. No skip months, right to four. So we'll, oh, wow. um, I guess that's not official yet, but that's that's the hope. I'll say. To just to just spend all next year just uh, with eight more issues coming out, so that'd be awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, hopefully that will happen. Um, and so, I guess in talking about the uh, eclipse side of things, you've uh, announced before, talked about before um, that eclipses has been uh, picked up for a, a TV series, but you haven't uh, really said much more about that. How's how's that process going? Well, it's going it's going really well. I. Uh, I can tell you more about that um, in conjunction with the new series as well, because they're all interconnected, actually. Oh. Um, so I don't know if you want to. Uh, let's yeah, uh, let's talk about all wait, of it. Wait and talk about Port of Earth, or if you want to uh, um, talk. Of, yeah, it's all kind of interconnected. Let's talk um, about all of it. Let's uh, start start at uh, at the beginning, and whichever whichever one comes up first, we'll talk about that. Uh. So, by the way, real quick to to give listeners, because listeners may be familiar with Eclipse, but they're not familiar with Port of Earth. So, Port of Earth is the new yes. series, comes out in November. Basically, it, it poses the question: Well, Hollywood always has aliens coming to blow us up or bring total enlightenment. So this this says: Well, what if aliens didn't come in war peace? What if they came with a business deal, and the business deal is to open up a port here on Earth? And uh, of course, they offer us some uh, advanced technology. We accept. The aliens uh, are coming to port. They're supposed to just come and go, and they don't always uh, stay at port. They come time. They sometimes come to uh, to human populated areas and cause trouble. Mm-hmm. So it falls on Earth security agents to uh, track them down and deport them back to port. So uh, um, it's a gritty uh, spin on um, aliens coming to our planet and the political ramifications of uh, setting up a deal with them. Yeah, um, it's it's a it's a crazy interesting story. I've I really I really dig it so far. Thank you, thank you. Now, while we're on the topic, uh, Port of Earth is coming out November eighth. So I'm not sure, you know, what date this episode will air, but within a you know a couple weeks or so of uh, when this episode airs, um, crazy exciting. I mean, like it, it's it's an awesome looking series. It's definitely kind of a change of pace on the typical sci fi genre. Uh, where did this idea originate for you, and how long has it kind of been gestating before uh, before it's coming out? I did have this idea for several years, um, and it kind of – I remember um, researching history. I was re- uh, reading, and I, and I was reading about um, the, the colonists and the Europeans coming to, um, to America. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It was something, it was something about reading about that and just – thinking, you know, ideas somehow coalesce in very weird ways and just thinking about alien arrivals and just kind of going, man, there's all these alien arrivals like Independence Day and they keep rebooting, uh, uh, you know, Battle uh, Los Angeles, which are all fun um, aliens trying to take over our planets. But I just kept going, man, they, they have all these types of alien arrivals where they're blowing us up or you've got your contacts mm-hmm. uh, where Jodie Foster gets, um, you know, uh, enlightened. <laughs> And uh, I, I didn't um, – I, I was like, you know, history, human history has shown that first contacts are very different and that uh, engagement between civilizations is very different. And it just got me thinking about what if the alien arrival 
was done in um in a whole different way? What if it was in business, in trade, in relationship, in in the slow boil of conflict? That you know, um, the armies don't come right off the off the bat. That there's 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 tensions and there's cultural misunderstandings and um, there's there's people on both sides trying to leverage and and just what if what if it was what if it was a, a more human <laughs> approach to it uh, i see what you did there yeah so um <laughs> so yeah I, I i had the idea for a long time and uh and then i think at once eclipse got going i kind of always started i started to kind of go what's going to be the next comic book and and i kept coming back to port of earth uh and uh pitched it to to matt hawkins over at top cow and and he he loved it and he said, yeah, absolutely. That's and, awesome. Um, yeah. And so we got it. Yeah. When you, in the, in the back of Eclipse, you kind of um, showed a little bit of your, your writing process, like your, your, uh, the way you lay out your beat sheet, which is, you know, very similar, I think, to how a lot of uh, TV writers and writers in general function. Um, so, like, it, for instance, with Port of Earth, how detailed do you get with your, with your beat sheet and how far ahead are you planning when you're uh, writing an issue? Um, I'm a, I would say I'm a more educated comic book storyteller now than I was when I started Eclipse. Mm. And uh, I'm protecting myself as I go through Port of Earth. Uh, with Eclipse, well, you know, in my defense, Eclipse was initially a, a four-issue miniseries. And then <laughs> I got given the open expanse of, of you're now ongoing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was only four more issues with the possibility of more. And so... With Eclipse, I was functioning almost like most, um, I, I guess, most TV shows. You know, you're living season by season, basically. I was living yeah. arc by arc, and so I never really knew how fast or how slow to go, and how much uh, story I was going to get to to tell. You know, when when I was given the green light to do more, you know, if if I screw up Volume Two and everybody hates Eclipse Volume Two and and it doesn't <laughs> do well, then it's, it's not going to do very well for Volume Three. So. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. With Port of Earth, I came in and I said, okay, um, this story is uh, of, of this particular experience against this backdrop is eight issues. And that's what I'm planning and that's what I'm going to do. And I charted out the eight issues and, and I, I, I beat out the whole eight issues. And, um, and that's how many we're, we're going to be doing to mm-hmm. start. Uh, and then we'll assess. Uh, and then if it goes uh, – um, I have another eight issue um, idea of what that would be, but the the, the first eight issues are very contained uh, and very um, there. There's um, there's definitely a this is a this is the the season this is the experience and it ends in a very less open way than than Eclipse's volumes end. Um, so I had I mapped it all out and then I and then I by the time I was writing the issue one script, I already had. A kind of a treatment or an outline for all eight issues because hmm. I didn't want I didn't want to get into a situation where I got to the second arc and I was trying to figure out how much or how little do I go is this going to extend I wanted to know uh have a much more final kind of understanding of it yeah yeah that makes sense and so is there basically yeah. 
if like let's say you know let's say the the first eight issues of Port or of Earth do really really well and and you know they want to go to an ongoing, is that something that you would just immediately sort of say okay let's it's an ongoing now and and work on it or do you yeah, kind of I mean, have it's, it's yeah absolutely it's listed as an ongoing and oh, cool. and uh, I know I I know how how I would do it but um you know the the uh, the the story in that we meet in issue one Mm -hmm. is these two agents on um we're on a ride along with them kind of yeah one of the movies that i cite a lot is a end of watch if you've seen that oh my god yes that movie's so good yeah to me to me um port of earth from a structure standpoint is end of watch meets frost nixon because you've got this um, – in terms of what we're seeing, we're, we're basically seeing these two agents on their ride-along experience uh, tracking down the alien. And, and it, it's, it's their end-of-watch uh, film footage experience. In the backdrop, we're getting this Frost-Nixon Frost interview with this reporter, Julia Campbell, mm. and the head of the ESA, Tom Rutgers. And we're finding out all sorts of um, – information about the world through that interview but it's also a uh, dramatic because she's trying to peg him and uh get him to reveal some things and um i mean those are those are the two dramatic tensions yeah and uh the backdrop just happens to be uh aliens and a port of earth and 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 this galactic kind of uh situation that we that we're in um so the end the issue one through eight is the ride along with hmm. these two agents rice and mcintyre it, it ends with that that mission that case ending, and uh, so the fa- the next chapter, if we were to continue and do another chapter uh, of Port of Earth, would be uh, the next experience. And uh, I'm not going to say whether or not it would be with Rice and McIntyre, if it would be <laughs> with different agents, it would be different. It, it, it would just be the next. Yeah, it, it'd be the next uh, ride along experience. Um, so that was that was a very kind of um, episodic in coming in coming up with this ride along structure. It was far easier to kind of segment it and figure out structurally how it was going to break down. You know, okay, this is an eight issue ride along. Boom, the next the next chapter would be um, you know, the next experience. Um, Interesting. So yeah. And so when you're when you're structuring your uh, your comics as you're writing them, do you structure them more in like a a TV four act, uh, like kind of a four act structure type of way per episode, or is it more like a, a three act structure, more like film, or do you kind of have your own structure that you lay out? I think it's different. Um, Eclipse is more four act TV episodic structure, and I mm-hmm. fell into that just because I was I got into the um, arc by arc kind of. Um, you know, layout for that one. Yeah. Um, Port of Earth is different. Port of Earth, um, in a weird way, uh, I would say issues one through eight is almost more cinematic in the structure. Hmm. But it was, but it, but but it required, it did require the break between four and five to be quite a a have an end of arc, end of season feel. Yeah. Um, that that's kind of a little more because midpoints are not in in cinematic structure and film structure at midpoints are not usually, they don't usually have that level of, 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 of they're not cliffhanger finality. Yeah. 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 So it, 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 I'm employing different techniques 
Hmm. from each, I guess, you know, but in general, thinking about the eight ish, the first eight issues of Port of Earth, it was very um, cinematic. Um, But I but but then I see it standing alone as a first season of TV as well. Yeah, you know, so um, yeah. So one of the one of the funnest things about science fiction is the creatures, the, all the like alien creature design. How, yeah. How, what's the process that you guys have working there for like creating this 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 crazy menagerie of of, of extraterrestrials? Yeah, we do. We actually do totally have a menagerie throughout the series. Uh, early on, I kind of um, we looked at pre. Uh, you know, I kind of said, let's talk about the aliens because we're going to need to draw. You know, uh, ten of them. And they, sure. you know, all have to be different ones. And um, I kind of really wanted the aliens to be not all humanoid, not all oxygen breathers, not all. Uh, I just wanted the, there to be as many unique forms as possible. Mm-hmm. And I kind of said, hey, you know, throw out do throw out any conventions i mean obviously we got to see them but um you know you can have uh some of them are floating uh by magnetic uh lifts some of them have masks on like forget what we know you know what they can be robots they can be slugs they can be whatever um but we didn't want them to be silly uh, i think we i remember talking like we were like okay not star trek aliens hmm. because sure. they all look the same minus like ridges on their head basically uh <laughs> true i love star trek but the you know the kardashians uh, uh the what were they? <laughs> the kardashian yeah yeah that's where the kardashians came from yeah oh yeah yeah the, the kardashians yeah, yeah that sounds right yeah before they had their reality show with um <laughs> it's their origin story they were they were just like klingons but they were like gray and they had different ridges and and i remember being like really this is the this is the okay <laughs> I, I'm a huge Trekkie fan, so I can say these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think we looked at Star Wars a little more. Star Wars has some more uh, eclectic aliens in them, more uh, some more unique. And, and um, But yeah, we just kind of tried to open it up a little bit. And uh, and then Andrea Moody is the artist. He's, he's amazing. Oh, so and uh, he just um, took off and designed a bunch of different crazy-looking aliens. And, uh, and we've had a lot of fun with it. That's awesome. Yeah, but making aliens is fun. That's uh, <laughs> one of the most fun parts. So do you do you have uh like in your head because obviously a lot of writers especially in science fiction you end up like compiling tons of notes on just like the world and stuff that you might not even ever use in the story. Uh do you have a bunch of that stuff like just a notebook full of like oh yes. these aliens live in this society and stuff? Oh, um no, not that. Mm. I have a bunch of uh a bunch about our world and what's happened to our world since the aliens came um because that's actually far more relevant to the story and that stuff is all background that that kind of seeps in but i have a a tremendous amount of that you know in terms of the aliens and the technology i made this real conscious choice to not define what's going on because i almost don't want those deep like i i wanted to explore the idea that if aliens came to earth that 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 would not mean that we unlocked all knowledge of the Mm. galaxy you Mm -hmm. know like aliens have come and we still don't know what the hell's going on in the galaxy they're coming they're going but we don't know i mean think about the europeans coming the europeans come to 
America and they meet Native Americans. Mm -hmm. Do the Native Americans understand the political uh, nuances of Europe? Do they understand the different houses, the different political parties, the different religions? No, of course, they don't understand that stuff. They just know that these, these guys came... And then they called themselves the Dutch. Then some different people came. They called themselves the English. Then some different. They they don't. It's very. um, It's left. You know, they're not privy to all that. And so. So yours basically is. It's keeping the perspective of the humans by only showing the information that the humans would be aware of. Yes. Yes. And so we're seeing a lot of funny looking aliens, and we're seeing their ships, but we are not. And we're we're talking to this alien group that has helped us put the port together. But um, one of the things that this is, this is set up so I can reveal this, the, the, hmm. the initial idea when we get first contacted is that this alien group, they call themselves the consortium, mm-hmm. that they're like the UN and they like, they, they rule over all the, the aliens and there's like some sort of big uh, united, uh, um, you know, federation or what have you. And that's not the case. This is merely a business group that's come with a business deal for us. And they don't run all the alien species and alien planets. It's a jungle out there. And, and there's a bunch of aliens and they've all got their own uh, viewpoints and things going on. And we don't know any of it. We're just sitting here. We've made a business deal with one group and surprise, surprise, we're now left to fend for the the reality that we have a bunch of aliens coming to visit our planet and we don't know anything about them and we don't know what where they come from or what they do and I like that because it creates it, it seems very real to me and it creates a, a tremendous sense of claustrophobia and and fear and anxiety um, that I think would actually be the reality of it so uh, it's it's really kind of fun to leave so so we're designing all these funky looking aliens but where they came from we don't know we don't know where they came from that's awesome no i, I like yeah, that because it I, does I, keep the perspective yes yeah, so, uh, same thing i think that's just fantastic it makes the makes the situation so rife for misunderstandings and conflict yeah it, yeah it, it seems like you're keeping the humans more primitive since they don't yes. really know what's what's going on <laughs> yeah we're the primitive ones that's right it's <laughs> <That's> awesome <laughs> uh, we're the primitive ones uh, the other um, interesting facet of this, uh, the, the story, the whole thing kind of poses this question of um, the, the the aliens uh, are coming to our planet um, and visiting, and they don't always stay at port, but we're not allowed to just shoot and kill any aliens that uh, come into human-populated areas because that would endanger the deal. Mm-hmm. And the deal is that... You know, it, it, aliens are not going to want to come here if they're getting shot and killed. So when aliens break protocol, we have to still treat them with respect and manage them and safely deport them back to port, even though some of those aliens may be killing human beings left and right, and they may be monsters. And so, but some aren't. And so it's a very gray situation. And basically, the agents who are tasked with this this situation it's a no-win situation for them they they, they can't win you, you you're trying to protect human beings you're also trying to protect the aliens because 
because the ESA is is part of the deal, and nobody wants to see the deal fall apart. Which kind? So there's this whole underlying commentary on capitalism and on business and mm-hmm. on how we all become slaves to the deal and the setup, uh, despite the ramifications or despite how it affects people. That's awesome. I love it. it like it, it is really for for anyone listening. Obviously, there's uh, you know still. Uh, time when this episode comes out, there'll probably still be time to pre-order it from your uh, retailer, or at least pick yeah. it up when it comes out. Um, it's it's a crazy interesting story, and much like with Eclipse, it's uh, I guess it's it's starting to become the the Zach Kaplan trademark to take science fiction and sort of uh, turn it like turn an interesting perspective on it that hasn't really been shown before. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, if, especially for people who liked Eclipse, but I think anybody who likes science fiction, this is a a great book to check out and. Uh, much like uh, is is the usual for both Zach and for Image Comics in general, uh, presents a very uh, kind of unseen story or a, a different perspective on things. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, no problem, man. It's 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 been awesome to read so far. Um, so what is? Uh, I, 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 I have so many questions, but I can't. I mean, <laughs> I just need to keep reading to get those questions answered. <laughs> <laughs> it's the good kind of questions to have, I guess. Yeah. Um, so Zach, for you, I mean, you've, you know, obviously Eclipse and Port of Earth, uh, both are, are doing well so far and, and, uh, you know, I mean, it seems like the reception is, is pretty great. Um, what's kind of the, the road ahead like for you? I mean, are you, are you kind of basically keeping your focuses completely devoted to Eclipse and Port of Earth or kind of, are there other stories that you're working on trying to get out there? What's, what's the next, you know, year look like for you? Well, uh, this is a pretty crazy announcement, but uh, I've actually cloned myself, uh, <laughs> and I have now four of me. Oh, and sweet! So, yeah. So what this has allowed me to do is take on a lot of exciting things uh, <laughs> next year. So, in addition to Eclipse and Port of Earth, I, I have in the works other uh, comics that uh, I will be bringing you guys next year. So, Ooh. Eclipse. Uh, uh, volume three and maybe volume four, uh, Port of Earth. But you know, I I said why stop there now that I have clones of myself, <laughs> and uh, so I just have a, a lot of exciting things coming. So uh, there are more there are more comics in the work. Awesome, um, cool, yeah. And, and is that uh, uh, is that? I, I, oh, I, go ahead. I think that I, I, I'm I'm a little concerned, Zach. We we all saw multiplicity. Uh, and the folly of cloning yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. that's yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I, uh, hopefully, or at least you're not cloning clones of clones. I'm, I'm. Oh, is that a bad idea? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they, they might. Yeah, they come out a little slow. <laughs> the clones are shaking their head at me. <laughs> um. Okay. So, are, for for those comics that you're working on, are you uh, sort of doing more with with Top Cow, or are you uh, branching out into other areas of the comics world? Or are you even allowed to I, say? I think I think I think uh, saying I'm doing more comics is all I can say at this point. <laughs> uh, well, as, as you know, they, everybody gets very uh, um, protective and particular about their announcements and, and when these things break. So um, that's fine, but. But the good news is I've got clones to do it all, <laughs> and, uh, and the clones are all very well behaved, and they respect me and what I want to do, and they don't have any dreams or ambitions of their own, so uh, it won't be a problem. <laughs> good. 
Well, uh, we don't want to take too much more of your time, but uh, I figure, you know, for for a few minutes here, we kind of, you know, do some sort of general like movie entertainment, pop culture talk or whatever, and just kind of see, you know, what what you've been reading and watching when you're not uh, cloning yourself and working on every project in the world. Yeah. um, I don't know. I need to find some new stuff. Uh, I'm super excited to get to the theaters and see Blade Runner when that comes out. Yes. That's at the top of my list. And in fact, they're like... It takes a rare kind of movie because uh, I, I have a family too. I'm a I'm a I'm a busy guy, and so yeah. it takes a rare mo- kind of movie actually to get me out to the movie theaters nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, Blade Runner and the new Star Wars are are going to be the ones I think that that absolutely do that. There you go. Um, I I love Game of Thrones. Uh, 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 you know, uh, screw them for keeping me to wait a year. That's uh, <laughs> that's pretty hard. It's a crime. Um, Oh, I want to see. I actually am really excited to see the new Star Trek uh, do the whole CBS. Uh, yeah. However, to get it, have you? Is it out yet? Did it just come out? Yeah. So it just came out. I so I signed up for that YouTube TV trial just to see how it was, and Star Trek Discovery is on that. So I I have that recorded. Um, but I don't know uh, if yeah. I'll keep that YouTube TV thing. Although this might be out, we might have all seen a few episodes of it. But yeah, <laughs> I grew up watching Star Trek. Uh, you know, I watched. Uh, reruns of um the original and i watched uh next generation after school all the time and i loved it so Mm. i I actually think the new one looks really kind of cool i'm excited to check it out um yeah that's that's what i'll be doing uh, like right after this interview i'm just going to be plopping down and watching some star Trek. yeah (laughs) yeah uh some star trek did you so i'm I'm curious for the for the new star wars because there seems to be kind of two camps on uh the new you know the sequel trilogy uh if you will what like did you did you enjoy uh, Force Awakens? I did, but there were there were things I didn't like in it. Okay. Um, you know, um, I actually thought um, Rogue One was tighter mm-hmm. as a story, and I found it. Um, I found some things more plausible and 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 more clever. But I get. I had another writer friend point out something to me and i get that that he actually felt there was more character in force awakens because um some of these characters in terms of um connecting with these characters and what they're going through and i think that the the structure of um uh rogue one you're thrown into that situation with her so fast you don't really get Uh, much background yeah, you meet her. You know, she's on that transport. She gets pulled into the to to meet with the Re- rebellion so fast. You don't really get enough of her, mm-hmm. and I and and I think that might have been a missed opportunity to. But you know, um, you know that was a a small thing. But yeah, with Force Awakens, look, I I have some problems with it, but I, <laughs> I there are things I like about it, and I it, it I don't have the same visceral reaction I had to Episode One. Mm. You know. I'm a tried and true Star Wars guy, and when I saw Episode One, I was like, "Oh, what? How could you?" And then, of course, <laughs> I came back, and then I came back and saw Episode Two because I was like, "Maybe, maybe it'll get better." And I was like, "How could you?" And then I somehow saw Episode Three because he'd already seen one and two, and then I was just like, "How dare you? How dare you?" You know? Yeah. And then, of course, I came back and saw Seven, and and. I didn't have the same reaction to one, you know, seven's good. It's yeah. entertaining. I just have things I, I don't love about it. Um, <laughs> are you, uh, 
are you more optimistic about episode eight than uh, than you think you were about episode, or at least do you think episode eight will be better than than episode seven? I don't know. What do you guys? What did you love? Did you got? What were your thoughts on seven? I I I, I love seven uh, because of the characters. Uh, yeah. You know, and I think that's so, I mean, that's, you know, why we love Star Wars in the first place. I mean, the story is awesome, but the characters from the original trilogy are just so fascinating. And then yeah. the prequel characters are just suck. And that's, <laughs> you know, and, I mean, they're a hot mess in and of themselves. But mm. but then with Seven, Ray's such an awesome character. She's such a great heroine. And then all the other all the other guys are so cool and fun. And I, I that's what I like particularly much about is just falling in love with some new characters that really... It's exciting to see where those characters could go. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree. I, I think Finn and Ray are great characters, and I'm I'm on board with them. I, I yeah. feel like they're they in in seven they 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 didn't trust that they have something in the Star Wars universe, and they don't need another cantina. They don't need mm. like all these. Uh, did they have a bigger, a bigger Death Star? Yeah, the, the Star the Killer Death Base. Star? The Death yeah. Star. The, yeah. Uh, it was was the supersized death star Mm -hmm. and um you just didn't need you don't need um the same things you know but bigger i feel like they should just trust what they have more um but i'll tell you the real thing they need to give me an eight that i don't yet have Mm -hmm. is uh a scary antagonist yeah yes yeah i don't have that and uh i think star wars I think any great trilogy or great film, you cannot have a great trilogy or great film without a great nemesis. Harry Potter has the you know the guy whose name we should not say, and uh, <laughs> and the, the and and Indiana Jones has the Nazis. Yeah, and you always need the great villain. And Star Wars had Darth Vader. He mm-hmm. was amazing. I mean, amazing. Talk about creating a villain. You know I mean, and, and mm-hmm. I guess that's George Lucas. You know, he's sitting there going, well, this guy's walking around with this freaking helmet, talking through this thing. He's got a lightsaber. He's choking people. He's like, uh, you know, worse than Donald Trump in terms of his <laughs> uh, um, his moods. You know, he just chokes somebody for mouthing off to him. It's, he was awesome. Yeah. And uh, I don't have that in this one. So if they turn um, emo boy, what's his name? Uh, Kylo uh, Ren. <laughs> yeah, if, <they're> Kylo Ren, <laughs> if, if Kylo Ren grows up and grows up here and actually mm. becomes somebody that they're not mocking on SNL and <laughs> and actually turns into a scary antagonist, awesome. Like yeah. I would love that. Or if Snoke, if we reveal how badass he is, and he's yeah. he's you know, we don't have enough from him. But I don't have the antagonist, so I'm not like I love those characters, but like I'm not really worried about them like it's all gonna be fine because it's <laughs> you know what are they really what are they really up against it's yeah. not really yeah. you know so yeah that's i think kind of what i i think for i think they've got like they've got blocks that they can build from there like you there is a way to make kylo ren a very very scary villain because you can take him on this journey where people see the progression and becoming something really terrifying um you know and, and obviously with with uh snoke there's you know, we don't know enough there. And so, like, I feel like they're, they're, they have the potential to make things terrifying. And I think looking at the trailers, at least for me personally, I'm feeling more optimistic about Episode 8 only because when I watch these trailers, I'm not seeing all of these, uh, 
homages that we had in episode seven, right? Like I'm not seeing, you know, oh, it's a repeat of this shot from the original trilogy, or it's you know another one of this character right. or whatever. Um, it feels like except they're for sh- except for that shot with all the fighters flying at the the ATAT walkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. A little um, hothy there, but <laughs> it is a little hothy. I mean, uh, of course, they're going to have a couple of things that are familiar, but it, it, it looks like in terms of like, I, I'm not seeing those giant like, you know, big sort of set piece uh, uh, things that that are so prevalent, right? Like, I'm not seeing too much of the uh, Empire Strikes Back side of things outside of uh, those, you know, ATAT Walker things. That's uh, good. I guess you ju- they just have to find a way to make uh, like. Ray went up against Kylo and kind of beat him in the first face-off, right? Yeah, with, so, with no training. <laughs> without any training. So to me, you've got to flip it and train him. He's got to get a level up. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, yeah. Kylo Ren has to find a way to level up so that at the end of 8, I'm like, oh shit, she's in for it because he's leveled up now and nothing's going to stop him. Yeah. And then go, take us into nine where we're like, this is not good. And then you reverse it. Um, you know, but I don't know. That's that's my only major concern for the whole trilogy. And I think if you find people walking away not satisfied or unsure, mm-hmm. it won't have anything to do with anything other than that. Because... The, the Ray and Finn and the universe and everything, we're all on board all of that. Mm-hmm. But if if she's still facing off against him and like slapping him around at the end of it at eight, and then he goes off to his room at nine and he's like, Snook, <laughs> I'm really upset about this. Then I don't know that like, yeah, you're not really getting there with me. So uh, I'm actually more excited about some of the one offs. Like I want to go. Obi Wan one off sounds awesome oh, yeah. to me. Oh yeah, if they pull it all together. I'd see the Han Solo Kessel run. Uh, that sounds uh, awesome to me. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I have yeah. I have I have hope for Kylo Ren t- taking that level up uh, due to him killing Han Solo. I think that was like the moment where you're like, okay, here's this guy. He's gonna. This is like his sort of character flip moment where he's gonna now take that level up. Take the you know, go full dark side and really hopefully become the badass that we deserve. Yeah. We're just going to, well, what's he need to learn? He needs to learn discipline. Is that what it is? Like he needs I, to learn, he needs to learn to let go of the light side and just go full dark. I think, yeah, like, like uh, it might just be let going, letting go of the emotion. Right. Cause that was one thing with Darth Vader. Like that was kind of his big thing is that he wasn't, he wasn't emotional. He had, you're right. Exactly. I that's what, the dark side is all about giving into the hate. Oh, Give yeah. into your emotion. Hmm. I don't know. It's a complicated world. The, 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 the force. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, he, I don't know what he needs to to do. Maybe it's just going to be. Just... Maybe it's just going to be a whole movie where both Ray and Kylo Ren just have a rocky training montage for two hours, <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually the end, the last shot of the movie is just them staring at each other after the entire after the giant montage. They're just staring at each other, and then Episode Nine they fight. <laughs> and Episode I'm Nine is just a two-hour fight scene. Fighting. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Here's another way they could earn me back. Hmm. Is if if it's if if they flip Kylo Ren? Oh, if he if, if he started off, he started off him as weak because it's he's Han Solo in this one that it's that the the trilogy is all about him reversing mm-hmm. and turn and 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 she and him uh, sharing some sort of shared hereditary past or some sort of uh, shared you know he comes from from Han him turning back around and going up against Snook in the end. If the, if their 
inability to set him up as a badass was because they didn't want to make him too unforgiving. They wanted to have that soft spot and, and they wanted to show the turmoil that they were going to uh, reverse. I would, that would be interesting to me to actually see him, um, not go more dark side, but see him more, um, which way is he going to go? That would yeah. be interesting. Yeah, I yeah, agree. But I don't know. I would like that. I guess we'll find out. I yeah. mean, the, the next time we talk, we'll have to reconvene on uh, how we all thought of yeah. uh, The Last Jedi. Um, <laughs> yeah, Good. absolutely. You're, you're welcome back anytime. Um, I, we've, we've taken enough of your time for today, uh, but tell everyone, where, where can they find you online? What should they uh, look out for? Obviously, Port of Earth is available November 8th, but uh, where, where can they seek you out? Yeah, I'm on all platforms uh, at Zach Caps, Z-A-C-K-K-A-P-S. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Twitter's a great place to hit me up. And uh, um, I have a website, ZachCaps.com. And you guys should definitely pre-order Port of Earth because mm-hmm. it's going to sell out. It, um, Eclipse is sold out every um, issue within a day or two when it comes Hell out. Yeah. And, uh, and I have no doubt that um, what will happen is um, – you know, I'm, I, retailers just will not order enough, yep. and and then every fans will show up and want one, and you're going to show up on Saturday uh, because you couldn't get there Wednesday, mm-hmm. and they're going to say we we had ten or fifteen or whatever on the shelf, and they went, and uh, all the poll customers got one because they ordered one, and uh, you'll have to get one of those second printings that comes out uh, a month later, and you don't want to wait. Yeah. So uh, yeah. It's order, it's definitely order. happened to me. I mean, with with uh, issue four of Eclipse actually was was when it happened to me. I hadn't pre ordered it, and so then I I went into uh, Meltdown here in L.A. and Meltdown usually has a good supply of uh, of books, but then by the time issue four came out, it was it was all gone completely. Um, so well, like, yeah, this has happened. I, a lot of people come up to me at cons and tell me the same exact story. And what what it is is I, I'm I'm just new, <laughs> and so retailers are not ordering me like they order Rick Remender or Jeff Lemire. Or, Yep. Any of these guys, but um, I'm uh, and I'm not selling those volumes, but I am selling Eclipse sold um, faster than a, a, your typical new comic. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it just sells out. And so, you know, so slowly retailers will order a little more and more. But uh, just to be safe, I would definitely pre-order. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's just yeah, just to, when you when you go in. Just tell your shop to order you one. Yep. Re- um, retailers don't know it unless you tell them. And so we, we have to be out there telling them what we want to read. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have to. But uh, you can find me on all platforms and uh, I'll be at New York Comic Con. Or I was just at New York Comic Con, depending on when this aired. And it was fantastic. <laughs> uh, are you going to be at L.A. Comic Con? I'll be at LA Comic Con. Yeah. Sweet. You guys gonna, are you coming? I'll be, I'll be there. I, I, Matt and Rachel, I think you guys said you won't be able to make it. No. Okay. Come uh, by the booth. I'll give you some. I'll give you some free signed stuff. And uh, um, yeah, I think that's my last con of the uh, of the season. And then I'm lining up the next year to. You got to plan your cons ahead. So I'll do Emerald City and yep. C2E2 and uh, a few others. Um, uh, I try to make my rounds. Well, and now I have the clones. Yeah, so that'll be I, even easier, man. When you see that Zach Kaplan is uh, simultaneously doing a signing in L.A., a con in New York, <laughs> and a podcast, you now know why that is happening. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> when, you, when you see Zach, ask him about his clones. 
Yes, ask me about my clones. <laughs> I, I, I know you ask which one you're talking to is there really what. <laughs> that should see. That should be your new shirt, Zach. That you wear everywhere is ask me about my clones. Ask me about my clones. <laughs> I think I think we're we're on to. Uh, 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 this could be a very uh, meta uh, Charlie Kaufman adaptation comic that comes out in the future. Perfect. So well, I'm not. By, I'm not. I'm not convinced written, we're not talking to a clone right now. You are. I'm not. I never said from the beginning that this is the original. <laughs> but the good news is you got number two. And, oh, okay, uh, I, I, I'm tried and true loyal as as uh, the beta of the group. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the the Zach Kaplan. Uh, cloning comic but written by rogue clone Zach Kaplan. Uh, <laughs> this could be a this is a very funny thing. I don't know that I want to put my name to this like Charlie Kaufman level, but uh, that would be pretty interesting. That'd be a fun story. I would uh, I would read that. I kind of like it. I kind of it just it just it just came, but I kind of like I kind of like the meta of it all. I do too. It's it's a very uh-huh. Grant Morrison thing to do, or a Charlie Kaufman. Well, then my marketing campaign would be don't read this book because it's not authorized. It's written by. <laughs> Yeah, the clones. It's my clone. Yeah, the the original yeah. Zach Kaplan uh, uh, completely disavows uh, and discredits this Absolutely. work. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> That's the pretty unauthorized, cool. unauthorized Zach Kaplan cloning comic. <laughs> uh, Zach Kaplan uh, Unit fourteen five C written by. I love it. Um, I love it. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining the show, Zach. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to for the... having me, guys. Always a pleasure. Yeah, always a pleasure. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yep, thank you. Thanks. Be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>